Welcome to Questions About Heaven, a podcast about giving Bible answers to our questions about the afterlife with God. Each week we seek to answer real-life questions with biblical answers about the life beyond this world. Now, here's your host, Brad Zockel. Well, good day to you. This is Brad Zockel. In our Questions About Heaven, I want to take some time right now and do exactly that. There have been a number of questions that have come in, and uh, I've been trying to just sort everything and pull it all together so that we might be able to look responsibly and get some answers to the questions that you may have about heaven. So what I'd like to do is take this time right now and just simply do that. Go into the questions that have been asked of me. I have them written down in front of me here, and see if I can give you some scriptural answers to the questions that have been sent to me over the time on different uh, social media and uh, see if we can't get some answers for you, okay? So if you have your Bible, if you might open that up and then take down some notes here, get some paper and pencil out. I know that you've been very, very good on that. Get your pen, click it, and get it ready to go here. And Let's just get some answers for you. Bible leaders, uh, you can use these and answer some questions that your small group or maybe your church or your youth group or your camp, theology camp, anything like that, you can get some answers here. So let's go right to it. Thank the Lord that we can get some answers. And I want to uh, say this, as God has opened up these clear answers, I will give you clear answers. If God keeps them to remain a mystery, then I will let you know. I certainly won't try to shoehorn in some answers or try to monkey wrench in some answers or speculate too far. I want to be able to be as responsibly uh, careful in our answers as coming from the scriptures. Okay, so let's get started here. And we have a great question that I start off with is, what about the Holy Spirit? When we go to heaven, what will the Holy Spirit look like? Will we be able to see the Holy Spirit? So let's go into the scriptures and let's start with this one, uh, because uh, this is a great question. We know in the Bible that we will see Jesus. Uh, Revelation chapter 22 and verse 4 says, we shall see God face to face. Uh, When we're in the eternal state of going to the new earth in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 1, verse 3 says, God will himself come down and be with us on the new earth, and he will be our God, and we will be his children, and we shall live together. Now, what about the Holy Spirit? Do we read about the Holy Spirit in heaven at all? So let's take a look. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 4 opens up a very intriguing description here. And here, let me start reading it. It says, John, John is writing this to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come. You see right there, the three is very important. Three, the number of perfection. It's talking about all aspects of time, past, present, and future. But that's not our point, so I'm going to take the next part here. And from the seven spirits which are before his throne. Well, now, wait a minute. I thought there was only one spirit. And what's this talking about seven spirits? No, this is not hard for us to be able to uh, understand here. If you will parallel passage this with uh, Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 2, you'll see this. This is talking about the perfected spirit uh, ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, uh, seven is the number of perfection. It's giving you the idea that the ministry of the Holy Spirit in heaven as well as earth is perfect. And you can see that actually in Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 2. It talks about that sevenfold ministry here. Isaiah chapter 11 verse 2, the spirit of the Lord, that's one, shall rest upon him and the spirit of wisdom, 
That's the second one. Understanding, third one. Counsel, the spirit of counsel. That's the fourth. And might, the fifth. The spirit of knowledge, the sixth. And the spirit of the fear of the Lord or the awesome respect of the Lord. That's the sevenfold spirit. That's the source of the uh, power of the kingdom through the Holy Spirit in heaven. And so we see that. So we know that this is an appearance of uh, the one member of the person, the person of the Trinity, the one member known as the Holy Spirit. Well, that didn't really answer your question here. And your question was, well, can we see him in heaven? What will he look like? Well, now here we go into something to help us understand. The Holy Spirit in his ministries throughout the earth has appeared in different forms. For example, in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, he appears as tongues of fire. In Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17, we see at the baptism of Jesus, the Holy Spirit descends and appears as a dove. And so we do know that as the Holy Spirit has been sent to help us, John chapter 14, verse 26 has said that he's a comforter and he does different things as he is ministering to us. He convicts, for example, he teaches us to pray, he helps us have victory over sin, he uh, endows to us different uh, spiritual gifts and all. So we see he has a, a different ministry, a manifold, uh, a sevenfold manifold ministry uh, through here uh, in serving us. But what is he going to be like if he's so varied in the ways that he can help us on earth? Does this continue on in heaven? Well, when we reach our resurrected, perfected state in heaven, we will see the Trinity, the triune God, the three persons in one, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But we just don't know exactly how we see the Holy Spirit. Other than the introduction here in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 4, the Bible is not clear about how the Holy Spirit is seen in heaven and eventually on the new earth, which will be in the eternal state. We just don't have a clear direction on what that will be. That's one of the things when we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it says, well, right now we see through a glass darkly. We understand some things, but it's, it's kind of hazy. And then we'll know, we will know much more clearly. And this is one of the things that we will uh, know later on. All right, Number, another question is, I see God as angry. Why is God constantly angry in the Bible? Well, when you see that, I would say this. You see God as angry when evil is done. He is a jealous God. He does not want Israel to walk away from him. He holds to the love of the children of God, so precious. And when times when the enemy will go against him or when he sees his people failing, then there will be an anger and he will have justice. But I want to remind you then, we tend to forget that God the Father is a loving God. I'll give you an example. In Isaiah chapter 65 and verse 16, it tells us this. As a matter of fact, I'd like to just read this to you because let me turn the pages here and read this to you because I love this so much. Isaiah 65, uh, as a matter of fact, from Isaiah chapter 60 through 66, you're going to see many prophecies about the new heaven and new earth and the promises that are there. Now listen to this. In Isaiah chapter 65, and I'm going to go down to verse 16, and it says this that uh, when we see this uh, in here, in Isaiah 65, 
a wonderful thing here. It says that he who blesses himself in the earth shall bless himself because of the God of truth. And he that sweareth in the earth shall swear by the God of truth because the former troubles are forgotten because they are hid from mine eyes. God will forget the sins of man. He will forget the former troubles. They're hid from him. That's a gracious God. I don't see him as being mean. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come to mind. But be ye glad and rejoice in ever in that which I create, because I create Jerusalem a rejoicing and her people a joy. Do you see what he says in Isaiah chapter 65 and verse 18? That this new Jerusalem will be a rejoicing, a delight, one translation says. Because why? Because her people are a delight. They are a joy. This doesn't sound like an angry God to me. I look in Revelation chapter 22 and verse 12, and I see, behold, I am coming, and I'm bringing my reward with me. This is a rewarding God. Revelation chapter 22 and verse 12 is not talking about, I'm angry with you, and you are going to pay the price. He's talking about the reward. He is delighted with his children. I, uh, Revelation chapter 22 and verse 12 my reward is with me to give to everyone according as his work shall be. And based on your faithfulness on earth, Luke chapter 19, you will be given honor and authorities based on your work. God is rewarding you. Matthew chapter 25 says, when the Christian enters into heaven, it's entering, the Christian is entering into the estate of joy. Enter into the joy of the Lord in there. So it's a powerful, powerful thing. Okay, somebody else says, all right, now the question that I have for you is, where is the passage that talks about so many people will hear about the word and won't take it serious, and not everybody that hears the word will accept it? Well, that is the parable of the sower, and you will find it in Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, so let me turn there and read that to you, because this is a very, very powerful one. Even the disciples wanted to know, what are you talking about here? And so he explains it, all right? So what he goes, he is talking about the parable of the sower. Sometimes somebody would say, this is known as the parable of the husbandman, one translation. But here it is. And, he, and Jesus speaks many things unto the people listening, the multitudes. And he says in this parable, behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside and the fowls came and devoured them up. Well, there are some that fell upon stony places where they had not much earth. And forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, these were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. And then some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell onto good ground and brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. So he who has ears, let him hear. Okay, now the disciples get confused by this. So we're going to get a clear answer on this, this parable of the sower. And they say, the disciples said, why do you speak to them in parables? And Jesus answers and says, because it's given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it's not given. In other words, this is going to be made clear to the seeker. All right. So for whoever has, to him shall be given. Whoever has, uh, shall have more abundance when they will be given. But whoever does not have from him shall be taken even away that the things that he has. Therefore, I'm speaking to them in parables because they seeing, see not, hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. And so when we see this, he is talking about him. So we drop all the way down to verse 18. Okay, so here 
This is the parable of the sower. Verse 19. When anybody hears the word of the kingdom and doesn't understand it, then the wicked one comes and catches away that which was sown in his heart. This is he that received the word by the wayside. But he that received the, the seed in stony places, the same as the person that hears the word, and at first receives it with joy, but he doesn't have any root in himself. He endures for a while, but when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, by and by he is offended. He also that receives the seed among the thorns is, is the person that hears the word, and the care of this world is too much. The deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. But he that receives seed into the good ground is the one that hears the word, understands it, and shows this by bearing fruit, bringing forth a hundredfold and some sixty and some thirty. So we could talk a lot about this, but this basically says this. If you are delivering the seed, which is the word, Jesus explains that clearly. The people that say they receive the word and even say they joyfully receive the word, only one out of every four, if you follow the percentage, only one out of every four people who claim to be Christians are Christians. This is what it says. Some people say, oh, I'm so happy to hear this, but they're living a life that doesn't show the fruit of their loyalty, love, and living for Jesus. All right? And Matthew 7 says it's not just by the word of your mouth, just not by talking Christianity. So the parable of the sower tells us something shocking. If I follow this right, only one out of every four people that receives God's word and makes a claim to Christianity is truly a Christian. Now, in that same sense, somebody says, well, now, wait a minute now. I've come to Christ. I have made a decision for Christ. Can I lose my salvation? Where's that passage that says that you're secure in Christ? Well, there's a very, very powerful uh, passage Romans chapter 8, the entire chapter is wonderful in teaching that. Let me just give you one verse. It says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, there is no condemnation to those that are in Jesus Christ. The rest of the passage gives a list of things that cannot take us away from the love of God, which is in Jesus Christ. And I'll remind you as well that Romans chapter 11 and verse 29 says, the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Salvation is a gift. You have been called by God irrevocable means he doesn't take it away, okay? We talk about these tickets cannot be uh, revoked. This cannot be revoked from us. Irrevocable or irrevocable means that it will not be taken away. One translation says this, for the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance, which just really means that God is not going to change his mind. You have made a promise to give your life to him. He's made a promise to give his everlasting life to you and he's not a liar. He will not change his mind. I love this because Romans chapter 10 and verse 13 says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Not might, but shall be saved. Wonderful, wonderful truth. Okay, that's the first part of our questions and answers that you have uh, given me, and I hope that these help you. Take a look at these scriptures, and uh, let's be real faithful in teaching these things, these wonderful truths, and then we'll talk some more about this. Thanks so much. This is Brad and questions about heaven. Let's get some more questions and answers in our next podcast. Thanks for joining us this week on Questions About Heaven with Brad Zockel of the Zulon International Bible Institute. Be sure to visit our website, zulon.org, to learn more about our Bible ministry. That's X-U-L-O-N.org. 
While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. And keep an eye out for our upcoming ebook, Questions About Heaven. Thanks, God bless you, and have a great day.